1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at MileHighReport.com. And now, it's time to get to work.
0: Ian, this week against the Raiders, it is Raider Week, by the way, uh, has really one question at the forefront. And the question is, what can Drew Locke do? He's going to be the starting quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is injured. He's in concussion protocol. Uh, Glad that that's as far as it went. It looked like it could have been worse as far as that injury goes, and so... Now we sit here in Broncos country getting ready for the hated Raiders.
1: And we have to ask that question. What can Drew Locke do? And we didn't talk about Teddy Bridgewater on the postgame recap because we didn't know what was going on with Teddy Bridgewater. All we knew at that point was that he was in the hospital for what was a terrifying injury. And I'm going to go on a side rant right now. Okay. There is a portion of Broncos Twitter who is now throwing out the suggestion that Teddy Bridgewater faked it. Wow. And I'm not I'm not even making this up. He he's faking his neck and concussion injury because he didn't want to continue playing. Wow. That's where we are as a fan base at this point. There are people who are so horrible That they're even suggesting that a man who was unconscious until he was through the tunnel, which is what Teddy Bridgewater was, is faking his injury. (sighs) That, uh, so
0: as we were watching the game, and I'll just, you know, mention this because it was, it was pretty rough. Um, my, my wife is a nurse. If, if you've listened to the show, I've, I may have mentioned it before in the past. I don't know. She's a nurse. And uh, they were immediately out there to help Teddy Bridgewater, and she noticed something very quickly, and that was that one of the trainers had reached his hand inside of the chest protector, uh, of, the, of the shoulder pads, underneath, down, and started doing a sternum rub. Now, if you don't know what a sternum rub is uh, – push, push, take your, go ahead and take your knuckles and push really hard on your sternum and see how it feels. It hurts. And they were doing a sternum rub because the pain that it elicits will break people out of whatever it is that's got them unconscious, right? It can be something to wake you up. And they were immediately on top of him doing that in an effort to bring him back to consciousness. Now, if you think if you, if you're so stupid as to think and I'm going with the word stupid there if
1: you're so stupid oh, I'll, I'll go I'll go with horrible okay. because you are a horrible human being if you think in that situation a guy is going to fake it because either he knows he's playing bad and just wants to get off the field or because he just doesn't want to keep playing. You are a POS. Yes, that, and that, that's exactly where I was going
0: with that. If that's where if that's where you're at, you're e- you're either a moron, which I'm I'm fine with calling you a moron, or you're just an awful person, as Ian has said. The other thing I would like to point out here, there is also a section of Broncos fans, Broncos country out there, that really cannot get over the uh, the poor attempt at a tackle that Teddy Bridgewater made uh, on that fumble return by Darius Slay on Melvin Gordon's fourth and one fumble. And and they cannot get past it. And so they every time he he makes any effort to do anything, uh, they, they throw this out there as see he doesn't care, he's not even trying. Well, let me just point out that on the on this particular play, this injury that he received is because he was putting in the extra effort to get the first down. That if he doesn't Would go airborne, not? if he doesn't fly through the air and put in maximum effort there. He doesn't get the first down. He also probably doesn't get hurt, and we're having a different conversation about how Teddy's weak or he doesn't care or he gave up on the play, which is what people want to say about him. And so if you want to say that he gave up on the play but you can't, then what you do is you say, well, he was faking his injury. That's not an injury you fake. I'm sorry. That's not an injury you fake. So I'm, I'm sure the percentage – of people is small, they're just vocal. That's that's the other thing you get with that. Awful human beings have a tendency to be really loud about how awful they are, and so you can point them out really easily. Uh, that being said, when they are vocal like that, it just casts a bad light on who we are as a fan base. Makes us look bad that you're out there making these statements. So, so let's put that to the side and just make sure that we all know that that wasn't fake. That was real. And it was caused by the man who was giving 100% effort on the field to try and win a football game for his teammates. And if you don't like that, too bad.
1: Adios. Goodbye. I'm done talking to you. I don't need you in my life. And it's important that we, while they may be a very small percentage, that they get called out for it. Because those aren't fans. And I don't want them to be fans of the Denver Broncos. Here comes, here comes those negative uh,
0: podcast reviews. I can hear them. If, if you leave
1: a I... negative podcast review because you think Teddy Bridgewater faked it and you're being called out, please do. Because then it's going to put a sign on you. Bill Ingvall, here's your sign. Oh, you're stupid. Here's your if sign, If you leave actually. a negative podcast review because you get called out for thinking that Teddy Bridgewater faked his injury, I'll take the negative review if that's what it comes to. Don't be a fan of this organization if you think Teddy Bridgewater faked it. Get the hell out of here. Fair now, to answer your question, what can Drew Locke do? That that's quite the pivot. It is. That, that is a pivot. And we're probably going to get negative reviews for this. Uh oh. Nothing. At the actually, there is one thing. Don't turn the ball over. Which at this point for Drew Locke is asking a lot because he does it a lot. Let's look at the last time the Broncos played the Raiders in Las Vegas. A 37 to? to 12 loss. A 37 to 12 loss. Basically, the exact same defense. The difference is John Gruden is not the coach. There's going to be fans in the stands, and I'm going to guess there's going to be a lot of Broncos fans because what better way to spend the day after Christmas than in Las Vegas. But here we go. The last time Drew Locke played in Las Vegas as the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, it was one of the worst showings by any QB in recent memory. Locke was 23 for 47 passing for 257 yards, one touchdown, and wait for it, Four interceptions.
0: That's a lot of interceptions. That's not a good touchdown
1: to interception ratio. No, it's not. And Joe Mahoney actually put forth the career numbers for Drew Locke. Drew Locke has played in 21 games. He's turned the ball over in 18 of them. In those 18 games, or I guess in the 21 games that Drew Locke has appeared in, he's turned the ball over 25 times. So, to answer your question, what can Drew Locke do on Sunday against the Raiders? He can start by not turning the football over. Can I? I'm going to add, you know what he really can do is instead of
0: not giving the ball to Javante Williams, he should give the ball to Javante Williams. Like, if that's your option, the run pass option is to either give the ball to Javante Williams or not give it to Javante Williams. You give the ball to Javante Williams because he had his weekly appearance on angry runs. Again, it's a weekly thing because of that little pirouette uh, slide out of a tackle at the goal line and his own goal line and then run a guy over. I I mean, just another angry run from Javante Williams. So why from within, you know, a few yards of the goal line, would you not just allow him to angrily run into the end zone? Because Drew Locke didn't realize that that's what he was supposed to do. Now he does, right? And we even saw his quote right. after the game was, I should have given the ball to Javante Williams. And everybody in Broncos country collectively yelled out, no duh, and now we can move on from that. But you're right. His issue is going to be turnovers. It's always been his issue. And as much as we love the enthusiasm of Drew Locke, I will be fair in saying this. A big part of the appeal that Drew Locke has to a significant segment of Broncos fans is his enthusiasm as a person. He's just a fun guy. He's dancing and he's rapping and he's singing and he's, you know, he's doing his thing and he's having a good time and he's just pumped up and excited to be out there. And that's great. That is wonderful. It's a, it's a a great thing. (laughs) I see you. It's a great thing that he's doing to, to be enthusiastic. But if you are the most enthusiastic person in the world, I don't care if you're buddy elf. Okay. You don't get Ooh, to nice be that reference for Christmas. I, no, I figured I'd drop the Christmas movie reference there. It, your enthusiasm doesn't matter if you keep turning the ball over. You can't give the football away like it's Christmas morning. Okay. That's the problem. And if I'm not mistaken, it's Christmas time and they celebrate that in Las Vegas too. I just don't want drew lock to be Santa Claus with the football for the other team. That's, that's my concern.
1: The other concern I have is the pass protection. We talked about it on Sunday after the game. Now you're going against a team that has better pass rushers in Max Crosby. And I'm not even going to try to say his last name because I'll butcher it. But they have better pass rushers. And if Garrett Bowles morphs back into Garrett Holds and Bobby Massey can't be anything other than a turnstile, it's not going to. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a disaster. Well, on the, the
0: interior, go. the interior is a problem too. I, I mean, as much as we love Quinn Miners and, and root for Dalton Reisner and want Lloyd Cushenberry to be great, the the fact is the interior offensive line is also not doing a great job in pass protection. The, you know, teams are getting pushed up the middle and they're getting a, a pretty solid rush from the outside. So, it's twofold on the on the offensive line. Yes, they're they're good in run blocking, but but let's also remember they're really not that good. How many tackles does Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon have to break in the backfield before they are making these big? I mean, look, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Aside from Melvin Gordon putting the ball on the ground a few times, which is a problem, they have been. An incredible duo in the backfield. We've talked about it a lot. This has become a Javante Williams fan site. That's what it is. That's I, I cannot look past his awesome season that he is having as a rookie. He to me should be one of the front runners for rookie, offensive rookie of the year. I'm not saying he is because Mac Jones exists, and that's probably what the the writers are going to do because look at what they're doing in New England. But the fact is, Javante Williams deserves to be in that conversation. And Melvin Gordon, as the vet, has been really good as well. But they have had to do it from behind the line of scrimmage because the offensive line has been less than amazing. Better in better in run-blocking schemes than they are in pass protection, but not by much if if you're asking me from what my eyes have
1: told me. All right, so I'm going to try to say that other pass rusher for the Raiders.
0: I li- you know what? I like that you're going to give it the effort, and I'm going to let you.
1: Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, you. That's right. So, it, unlike, are you really that and, worried about Yannick Ngakwe? You got it, nailed it. Congratulations. Aside, well, if you listen to all the broadcasters try to do Albert Akuegbunam, yeah, is. it. I mean, it, that that is a <laughs> that is a testament of Akubu, futility. Akubunum. no matter, no matter the broadcast team. Always butcher it the first and, time they do it. And acknowledge that they're
0: going to. I will
1: give every broadcasting team
0: credit. They know they're going to screw it up. They understand it. They acknowledge it. They throw it out there anyway and then apologize for it. And then they just need to land on Albert O, like everybody else has done. Because is it Akwuegbunam, Okwuegbunam, Okwuegbunam? I mean, it's there's so many different ways you could go. The one that you'll never get wrong is Albert O.
1: And I have to say this. I haven't done it, I don't think, ever on this podcast. To have the broadcaster who pronounces his name wrong pronounce the guy's name wrong is kind of fitting. But as an Ian, it absolutely positively pisses me off that he pronounces his name Ian. I hate it. I have dealt with that BS my entire life. People saying my name wrong, and then I have this jackass broadcaster who has the name Ian. Thanks, Ian Eagle. Wait a minute, though. I I have always
0: had I have a conspiracy theory about Ian Eagle. Do you remember? Do you remember the movies, the Iron Eagle movies? Do you remember with Lou Gossett Jr.? My, it was it's Iron Eagle, right?
1: Yeah, but it was spelled I R O N. Right,
0: but then so so now. Iron Eagle, what a great sounding name when you're trying to get into broadcasting because those movies came out probably when he was still fairly new at broad. I mean, he's been around for a long time. I and Eagle. So you also remember there's Ian Ziering from the, I didn't want
1: to mention that Shark, because he's the not Sharknado worth mentioning. movie.
0: Oh, come on. The Sharknado movies. He's uh he's amazing. And yes, well, before that it was, was
1: 90210. Yeah. Beverly Hills. 90210. was just writing Luke Perry's coattails. Yeah, but, but it's still point. an, but it's an he's iconic, an idiot. He's iconic a show. Not worth it. <laughs>
0: I just, nobody
1: messes up my first name. It's just my last name that we have issues with. I can't believe we're talking about 90210, but I have to say this. It was Luke Perry and Jason Priestley. Ian Ziering and Brian Austin Green are jackasses, and we're just there because they were there.
0: Honestly, I don't think I've ever actually even seen an episode of the show <laughs> and not for not for lack of trying. I'm sure I would have loved to have watched really? it. I just, you
1: grew up watching Saved by the Bell, and then that I was did. the next step up for Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who is for our for our generation. Well, she went on to Melrose Place, placed, didn't she?
0: She was on Melrose Place, right?
1: Well, she got her start on Saved by the Bell, right? So but then she didn't go. She Melrose didn't go to 90210. 90210. She went to Melrose Place.
0: Yeah, I didn't watch Melrose Place either. I didn't watch. Those weren't the shows that I watched. I watched Saved by the Bell because it was on Saturday mornings. Now I got nothing else to do on a Saturday morning. I throw on Saved by the Bell. Zach Morris is trash. Let's not forget that. Have you ever seen the the video Zach Morris is trash? Do yourself a favor if you haven't. Just type in Zach Morris is trash and watch. These videos, I think they're like five or six minutes long. It goes through the pro- the plot of every show and just talks about how Zach Morris is a garbage human being. I absolutely love it, absolutely love it. And you know me and my my AC Slater gif, stupid. You got it's one of my favorites, but I didn't love the show. It was just on. No, but it was.
1: I mean, but yes, Tiffany there, Amber Thiessen, Tip, if you now, if you Kelly, want to talk about Kelly Kapowski, I mean, yeah, she, she was the, she <laughs> was, was the crush. She was
0: the, she was the one. Absolutely. And then she ended up being in a show uh probably about 10 years ago now, white collar. And she was, she played some FBI agent's wife or something like that. And because she was on the show, I did watch that. So, you know, shout out to white collar on USA. Who knew who <laughs> should we talk about the football game? Is there a football game that we should talk about?
1: Uh, I guess I. <laughs> I mean, they're playing the Raiders. They are playing the
0: Raiders, and th- the Raiders are a team that is dangerous. The Raiders already smoked them once this season. Yeah, we've seen that, so we know we know what the possibilities are. Uh, and I guess the big concern is can Vic Fangio get his defense figured out, which he has every week, but to the point of holding them to no points because. That seems to be the trend in Denver right now is that if the defense doesn't give up zero points, then the offense isn't going to score enough to win.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if the expectation is you have to hold a defense to 10 points in today's NFL, it's completely unrealistic. I don't care what the analytics say. This defense is good because it doesn't allow teams to score points. And that is the only statistic that matters. That's what made the Orange Crush so good. They didn't allow teams to score points. All you have to do is look at Super Bowl 12. Craig Morton and the offense turned the ball over like a, was, g- a gajillion was times. Was it
0: 6 turnovers? Might have been I thought more. It was seven. Might have been 7. I don't it
1: was a lot. He, he, Craig Morton wanted to to turn the ball over the amount of times that was on his match, jersey. Match the number. Yeah, match the number. And that defense only gave up 24 points. <laughs> that I mean, is to me that is still insane. They turn the ball over six or seven times and only give up 24 points. But it's the same thing. There was no offense. It doesn't matter how good your defense is if the offense can't score points. And that's been the case since Peyton Manning retired. They've had the defense. The defense has been able to do its job. Has Has it been up to the Super Bowl 50 standards? No. But you also don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. So... I just if the expectation is to limit the opposing offense to ten points because your offense can't score more than that, that's there's a there's a problem. There's a problem there.
0: And and we've been saying this for for five seasons, six seasons. It's the same conversation every week. And quite frankly, against the Bengals, they had one offensive one defensive breakdown that cost them a touchdown, and that was the game right there, right? One defensive breakdown that cost them a touchdown. And if that's all it takes to beat the Denver Broncos because the offense is that bad, then yeah, I, I don't. It's, it's hard to predict a win for the Broncos moving forward, knowing that the offense is that bad. The one thing I will say there is some hope here from Drew Locke that he will give you some explosive plays, right? This, I see chuckling. It's all good. He will give you an explosive play
1: and maybe it's just a matter of is it explosive for the Broncos (laughs) or for the other team
0: is it explosive joy or explosive diarrhea that's the question and I I do think that if there is a hope for them to win it's going to be running the football controlling the football and then getting one or two big plays out of Drew Locke without putting him in a position to really suck and I know I'm not even I know that's not really my key to the game here but I, I mean sure we could we could get into keys to the game if you want to right here why don't we do that Let's do it. All right. So I'll give you mine because it sort of is is right with what we're talking about. And it's just simple. The offense has to be better. We, we're This is what we're talking about. We don't need to talk about the defense. They, they show up every week. And uh, I said I, I wouldn't blame them if they just said, you know what? We're not doing this. Just screw it. We're not going to play this week because – If the offense can't score, then it doesn't matter how good the defense is. Quarterback, play calling, pass protection, all of it. Everything has to be better. Everyone on offense has to magically get better at their job. You can't have wide receivers dropping passes. We saw uh, Cortland Sutton drop a few passes against the Bengals that would have been uh, big plays. You can't have running backs fumble the football. You can't have quarterbacks hand the football to the defense. The offense has to get better. That's what has to happen. That's how they win the game. And now let's say it together. No, duh.
1: And I think it's pretty obvious what my key to the game is, since we started off the show with it. Drew Locke can't be in the giving spirit, despite it being the holiday season. If Drew Locke turns the ball over as he is akin to do, it's going to be a long day after Christmas. Yeah, maybe if
0: he knows that it's the day after Christmas, he won't be in such a giving mood. He will have already given away many presents. He won't have the, the feeling of giving as much, right? So he won't give things away, and he'll be a little more selfish and hang on to the football. That, that would be – let's let's hope that that's what happened because you don't want to be too much in the Christmas spirit. You know, you, you want to sort of hold that in a little bit, rein it in a little bit. That's That's the key there. All right, who are we watching? Who's our player to watch? Start on offense. Who's your player to watch on offense? Uh, Drew Locke, just cause I didn't want to say it. I let you go first. Yeah. Drew Locke is the guy. Um, and Javante Williams. How about we do that? Right. Drew Locke's the guy to watch. And then you watch for Javante Williams weekly angry run so that Kyle Brandt can scream his name and how excited he is about things on good morning football, because that's, that's the biggest joy we have right now as fans in Broncos country is Javante Williams arriving on angry runs each week.
1: I'll throw out an asterisk for pass protection, mainly Garrett holds and Bobby Massey. And until Garrett holds doesn't get holding penalties, he is going to be now referred to as once again, Garrett holds.
0: I just dove right in on that.
1: He d- He definitely has regressed.
0: Here's hoping he can find his uh, 2020 form. Maybe he just, you know, maybe he only plays in even numbered years. Oh, maybe that's what
1: it is. Even number
0: year. Who knows? I don't know.
1: Uh, On defense, who you got? I'm going to go with the pass rush. The only way that they're going to be able to contain Derek Carr because he does well against the Vic Fangio defense. And in the three years that Vic Fangio has been the head coach defensive coordinator, he has teed off against this defense. So it's about pass rush.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting note that – we haven't really talked about of the, of the teams that have played the Broncos, the offense that has seemingly had the most success. It feels like it's the Raiders. Now I'm sure a stat head is going to jump on here and be like, no, it's this, that, or the other. And you'll point to this, you know, stat that says something or whatever, but just based off of the eye test, for whatever reason, Derek Carr and the Raiders offense play well against the Broncos. That doesn't mean they always beat the Broncos, although it feels like they do, but it, it definitely means that they have a better shot because of it. Uh, so for me, that's on, on the back end. I'm going to sort of pay attention to uh, the defensive backs, especially Justin Simmons and, and what he can do. I, I, I kind of like to always watch Justin Simmons because I feel like as he goes, so goes the defense. So his contr- contribution is important in that he's the one who kind of makes everything tick because of who he is as far as leadership goes and things like that.
1: All right, we got uh, to, to go to, go for to give some reference to this. Derek, as Joe Rolls pointed out on Twitter, Derek Carr seems to have no problem with the Fangio defense. In five games against the Broncos since 2019, Carr's completed 67.28 percent of his passes for 1,516 yards, six touchdowns, and two interceptions. He's taken seven sacks. So at that point. Even if you get pressure on Derek Carr, he seems to still be able to tee off against this defense.
0: That's uh, really lifting
1: people's spirits.
0: <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I yeah, do what I can. That was a very Ebenezer Scrooge stat you just shared with us. My goodness. What are you, the ghost of Christmas ghost? Go F yourself? That's awful. Which one is that? Is that Ghost of Christmas Future? Ghost of Christmas Go F Yourself is uh, Ghost yes. of Christmas Future. It's the it's
1: the Ghost of Christmas to, of
0: Christmases to Come. Yes, Christmas Future Yourself, as it were.
1: Uh, and hopefully, <laughs> if we're gonna go with the Scrooge references, hopefully to go to another Bill Murray movie. Hopefully, we're not in Groundhog Day when Drew Locke takes the first snap and morphs into what he is always been, and that's a giver. Yeah, we, at least a he's a giver, right?
0: <laughs> That's not no, not in the, no, this no, no, not in this case. All right, you got a score prediction? I just wrote mine down. I have a feeling um I have a feeling people are going to not like it. I don't know.
1: Well, at this point I don't really care. 34-10 Raiders.
0: Ooh, you were meaner than I was. I went 27-13 Raiders. Uh and as you know, our predictions are usually wrong. So, all no, the Broncos are probably going to win. <laughs> so, you know, so we're trying to help people out. All right, let's, uh, let's take a little break. We'll come back. We'll do our whip around the league. We'll look at the AFC West, and then we will say go Broncos. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. plus. All right, Ian, so let's go ahead and take a look at the AFC West to start things off. Obviously, we talked about Broncos at the Raiders. Uh the Chargers get a free a free win. They play the Texans, so uh, if you can get the Chargers defense on short notice for your fantasy football t- uh playoffs, you might want to go do that, although I doubt they're available. Um but yeah, that's that's one where the Chargers take another step closer to the playoffs. And uh that's that's bad for the Broncos.
1: I have to say, we we didn't talk about this on the last podcast. There's been a lot of discussion about Brandon Staley's decisions to go for it on fourth down. And I've I love the aggressiveness. I do a show for playcolorado.com with Nicole Russo called The Huddle, and we talk about betting and gambling. And one of the props that I threw out early in the season was when the Chargers played the Patriots for a prop for Brandon Staley to go over the fourth down conversions. I love the aggressiveness. I love that he trusts his players. I love that he trusts Justin Herbert. But the fact that he didn't kick a field goal at the end of the first half, when you allow yourself to take a touchdown lead, and I get it, the win probability, all that BS. How'd the win probability turn out? Oh, that's right. They lost. If you kick a field goal, you make it a seven point game. If you kick two field goals, you win the game. Now I get it. Everyone listening to this is like, well, if they scored one of those touchdowns. They win too. Yeah, they did. Aside the point, I love the aggressiveness of Brandon Staley. I wish he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos. (laughs) That was a, I love how it was like the sort of the long way
0: around the barn. And then you actually stopped when you got about halfway, did a little pirouette pause thing about things. And then, sprinted the rest of the way in to just tell us that you wish he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos as, as I suppose do I, uh, because, um, that would be, I I really like him as well. I think his aggressiveness is to be commended. I do think that was a mistake. I'm with you on that. He should have kicked one of those field goals. They had an opportunity to put points on the board, which is what you're supposed to do to win games is put points on the board. And I know that, uh, we want everybody to be aggressive, and we get excited when Vic Fangio says, let's go for it, uh, and the Broncos have a pretty good fourth down conversion rate, which is fantastic, but in that situation, playing against that team in that particular time, you got you got to get points on the board. I, my guess is he won't have any of those issues no. this week because, you know, obviously they're playing the Texans. It's like a bye week. It's like a, it's like a rest week for your players, and that's totally fine. Uh, and then the Chiefs play the Steelers, which – Might be the biggest game of the week just by the fact that it's Chiefs and Steelers and there's not a lot of great games going on this week. And you actually, I think, disagree with me on this. I think the Chiefs win this game easily. You believe the Steelers play them tough and will do so, but I'm guessing you're still picking the Chiefs?
1: It's just historically Ben Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh play well in Kansas City. They play well against Kansas City. That's that's why I'm looking at this. Whether or not it's this year or not, I don't know. I think if Mike Tomlin and that Pittsburgh offense gives the ball to Najee Harris, a lot of it's going to depend on Chris Jones's status for the game, and I haven't seen it one way or another. But if we look at the odds, obviously Kansas City is going to be favored bigly in this game. The spread is 9.5. If that gets over 10, I would lean Pittsburgh but at this point, I mean, that, that's a giant number. I think Kansas City wins. I'm just – I think Kansas City keeps it cl- – or Pittsburgh keeps it closer. And a lot of it's going to depend upon which Ben Roethlisberger shows up to.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Uh, as far as the other games this week, there's there's not a ton of, of awesome games. A lot of pillow fights out there. Lions-Falcons, for example. Jaguars-Jets. Jaguars-Jets. Like, Giants-Eagles. Yeah, not a fan. But there's a couple of big ones. The Bills and Patriots, the Bills have got to do something. Uh, they've essentially allowed Bill Belichick and the Patriots to to take ownership back of the AFC East when this really was their opportunity to be the kings of the AFC East. They completely screwed that up. So this is a big game for them to prove that they at least belong in the conversation. Otherwise, like why are we even talking about them anymore? They that's That's the team that they have
1: become at this point. So that's a big game. In terms of that game, I, I think not to say that the weather was the deciding factor the last time these two teams played in Buffalo when they were having like hurricane force wins. And I think Mac Jones threw it, what, two or three he times? Threw it two or three times. Yeah, it wasn't much. Yet despite all that, Josh Allen and the Bills still had a chance to win, especially on that last drive of the game. I don't think that's going to happen again. The, in Foxborough, unless the weather turns horrible again, and we all know Bill Belichick is capable of anything and cheating in masterful ways, I don't think he's going to be able to.
0: He can't manipulate the weather.
1: I don't think he's going to be able to put on a wind machine, but I'm, I'm sure Roger Goodell would let it happen and then destroy the evidence that it did.
0: Oh, ooh, excellent reference.
1: I I do think that the Bills are going to come out, and they know what's at stake. I think the the. Bill's defense had the Patriots figured out they weren't able to run the ball in the second half at all I think they're going to put it on Mac Jones to beat them and I don't think he can this defense even without one of the best cornerbacks in football being out for the year I I think this Bill's defense is still good enough and I think Josh Allen and the Bills are going to be better because they're not going to have to deal with that win so I think the Bills are going to get the win the other game that I think is going to be very fascinating there's two games The Thursday night game is the 49ers and the Titans. The 49ers have basically come out of nowhere to say, hey, we're still here. We're for real. The Titans have fallen off. There is a potential for A.J. Brown and Julio Jones to be back. I don't know if it's going to happen. And in the Colts Cardinals, what the hell happened to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals (laughs) against the Detroit Lions? And now they're going against Jonathan Taylor, who some people, a lot of people think should be in the MVP conversation. That defense is for real. Jonathan Taylor is for real. Their special teams are for real. It's all a matter of whether or not Carson Wentz F's it all up.
0: That's true. That is fair. Carson Wentz is definitely the guy.
1: I want to know what your opinion is of
0: this. I don't know if you saw this, but the Cowboys, as we all know, showed up to the Washington football team's stadium with their own benches. Uh, uh, was it last week, week before, whenever they played in Washington, D.C.? And so this week, it looks like the Washington football team is bringing their benches to Dallas to play against the Cowboys uh, at whatever you know Jerry's World is there down there at the AT&T Stadium. What are, what are your thoughts? on? Is that going to make a difference? Is it going to help the Washington football team?
1: Well, as we sit here recording this, they have yet to play in week 15. They don't have a quarterback. Both of their quarterbacks on their roster are in COVID protocol. So they're bringing a guy off of another team's practice squad to start at quarterback against the Philadelphia Eagles. So if that's still the case, if Washington is still ravaged by COVID, they're not going to need benches because they shouldn't even show up because they're going to get blown out of AT&T stadium. Unless Dak Prescott decides that he's like drew lock and wants to give everything away. Ooh, Merry Christmas. And the
0: gift that keeps on giving a little COVID news for us here. Uh, as we finished up,
1: Ian got uh, an update on the old Twitter sphere. Uh, what What is the update Ian? From Adam Schefter, more COVID issues in KC. Now, to be, to be clear, those listening, if you don't know, Travis Kelsey and Harrison Butker were already in question for being on the COVID protocol. Then, as you said, after we finished recording, Schefter tweeted out more COVID issues in KC. Tyreek Hill, Rashad Fenton, and Blake Bell are being placed on the reserve COVID list. And then Nate Taylor tweeted from my understanding the Chiefs by the end of today, so Tuesday could have 10 or more players on the reserve COVID-19 list.
0: That's huge. So as as we stand here on Tuesday the 21st of December at about 10 after 2 central time, uh because that's where I'm at. So I guess 10 after 1 mountain time and then 10 after 3 uh, Eastern Time. Do I need to go through all the time zones for people, or can they just do the math? Like, do Hawaii? Just no, I can't. That's too far away. No, Hawaii oh. isn't real. It doesn't exist at all. Because um, <laughs> I've never been there. That's how it works. Actually, I'd like to go. If anybody'd like to send me. Anyway, I digress. Again, um, yeah, Merry Christmas. I suppose this definitely changes the dynamic of that Chief Steelers game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who the other players are that end up on the COVID reserve list or however they're going to do that. Um, what their, their vaccination status is, because that seems to be part of the new agreement because there was a new agreement that was made between the players union and the NFL about how they were going to handle different players. And there, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to be processed. There's a lot going on here. It will be interesting to see, How this plays out. But yeah, that's, of course, they wait until we get sort of done
1: recording and then we got to jump back on and and figure things out. The other thing to keep in mind in all of this, since I cover sports betting and all that, is the line. And it's already changed at a few books. I mentioned the nine and a half, that was at DraftKings. DraftKings still has that current number. Some of the others, FanDuel, BetMGM, PointsBet, which are all legal and live in Colorado, have it at seven and a half. If that number dips any further, it is going to be very, very interesting. So, just throwing that caveat out there. If anyone is interested,
0: sure. I think that's great. I, I guess, I guess you know, you always got to pay attention to what's going on with all those things. Here we head into the holiday season. Lots of family g- gatherings and get-togethers. Everybody, just be safe. Have a have a happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Whatever you celebrate and enjoy it, and uh, watch some football and have a good time. Right.
1: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.